he's he's seen God uh, quite a few times pr prior to this, um, sometimes in vision, sometimes in, in person. Yet the, the Lord is still saying, fear not. And so um, here it's it's talking very much like what you're you're saying there that um, it's not uh, fear not me like he didn't come to him and scare him and he's like oh don't be afraid you know I, <laughs> I I snuck up on you there but it's it's more in the the fact that okay I I'm going to grant you a blessing as it kind of uh, uh, says down here uh, what would thou give me presupposes that God had instructed Abraham to ask for whatever he desired and fear not. Like, don't, don't hold back. Ask me anything that, that you desire. And I, I found that very interesting going through this, that that's kind of the, the pattern for, for most of the, the prophets or, or at least the accounts that we have of people that are granted uh, the desires of their hearts. And that's kind of why I, I posed that homework assignment that I, I did uh, to go and study mm -hmm. the three Nephites and the... Uh, John the Beloved and anybody else that's been translated, what does the Lord tell them? And, and in paraphrasing or uh, kind of putting like things together, that he's basically saying that same principle, fear not, like, go ahead and ask me what you desire. Like, tell me the desires of your hearts and don't be afraid to ask for something that, that sounds crazy. Because if you're coming to me, it means that that you know my will and you wouldn't ask anything that's amiss. And so fear not, it, throw it at me. What, what you got? What do you, what do you want? What are your desires? And, and what a loving God that is that, that would allow us to um, have our desires ask and, and, and seek and knock uh, upon those. Um, I find that very interesting principle here with Abraham. Cameron, um, when, um, uh, the conversation that uh, Jesus is having with uh, Peter and James and John and uh, and Peter and he's asking them, you know, do you want to come straight into the presence of God with you want to come and live with us right away or and John had a a different response he wanted to stay on the earth so they were given a choice and peter and james wanted to uh, go quickly into the presence of god after they died but john he wanted to stay on the earth and be translated mm -hmm. as well and he, it's about the same thing with the nephites that the nephite 12 there was um nine of them that wanted to go uh, quickly into the presence of God and, and the other three, they wanted to stay on the earth and help with them. And the ones that wanted to stay and help uh, on the earth, uh, Jesus called them more blessed. I mean, that it was like, he was excited that they would want to do that because it's very helpful. They have great missions that they're performing. Mm -hmm. Not not that uh, the other is wrong or not great, you know. Come into the presence of God is great. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Um. So yeah, as as they are uh, 
in this exact scenario right here where they are given the desires of their hearts or um, asked what their desires are. Um, like it says here on this page, it presupposes that God had instructed them to ask for whatever they desired or ask for whatever he desired. Uh, sorry. Um, so just keep reading on. If such a thing appears to be merely the stuff of legend, in the case of God's most faithful servants, it does happen as seen in the Book of Mormon when the Savior appeared to his Nephite 12. And, and who else? I, I pose that question, like, who else gets this? Does everyone get this as we are true and faithful to our covenants and are proceeding along the covenant path? Do we all get this or is it only a prophetic thing? Um, I have written on the very bottom of my page here in big, bold letters. This is the most important part of the entire book, this page. This is, this is the crux of it. When I was reading it, I was like, whoa, this, this changed my whole paradigm. It, it shifted everything for me. As I, I began to realize that um, this is basically our endowment in a nutshell and, and going through this process of showing what is available to us and then um, having us ask, seek and knock and, and being uh, guided into his presence kind of a thing. Um, Cameron, uh, can you back up to that paragraph you were just talking about? Are you on page 45 at the bottom of 45? Yeah, 145. Mm -hmm. And so are you, um, are you talking about if Jewish tradition, where are you talking about that? Uh -huh, the one right above that. So the one that starts with Abraham's response according mm -hmm. to Genesis. I, yeah. uh, that's, and you wrote on there, this is actually what you wrote. And I'll tell you what I was talking about, why I missed that. <laughs> yep. Okay, what did you write at the bottom of your page? Uh -huh, I said, uh, for me, the most important part of this whole book. Okay. <laughs> So you can't see my husband, my husband joins in <laughs> and I just, we just said to each other, what would you choose? Would you be like Peter and James and want to go back into the presence of the father? Or would you want to stay and continue the work, you know, be translated? Mm -hmm. So I know that's a question. What, what would you, what would you guys want to do? Oh, for sure. Yeah. And as I've read this book and, and um, kind of tried seeking that same answer and stuff, I, I would love to just stay on this earth, be, be translated. And um, if I was, especially back in the time of Abraham, uh, knowing that there was so much more of the, the, life's, uh, the life of the earth uh, to be had and stuff, I, I would definitely want to be translated. I want to be able to, uh, to work and grow and do all of those things. But at the same time, I don't know, it would be nice to be caught up to the presence of God too. But I think for me, if I were given that choice, I, I, I would definitely choose to be translated. Um, That's what we decided to. How about you, Darlene? What would you do? I definitely, um, I want, I would, if I had my, um, could be granted this, I would love to stay on the earth and, and witness all the things that happened uh, prior to the second coming and witness the second coming. I would love to be here for that. Mm -hmm. That would be amazing. Yeah. Anyone else? What would you say? Hi, I'm Jessica. But I, ever since I was little, when I read that, I was like, oh yeah, I want to do that. But also the Lord says it's even a greater wish, right? So yeah, I think 
heaven is amazing of course and angels are going to be doing similar work i think from the other side of course but yeah translation for sure mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah yeah i i i don't know i ever since i was little i always thought well i'm i'm just gonna live forever i'm, I'm not gonna die you know and, and i always thought that that would i before i understood like translation kind of stuff but oh yeah well the savior's just gonna come and so i won't have to die kind of thing but <laughs> but maybe there's the translation element to it too even though the savior definitely is coming soon so uh, either way <laughs> stick around to the end but yeah i i think that that's that's huge to have the lord um uh, know the desires of our hearts and be willing to to grant that to the faithful as we uh, qualify for some of those blessings well we know being um, translated still will come with sorrows we'll have the sorrows for sins of others but i think all the rest of the mortal issues are null right uh-huh. but, yeah right? yeah because it describes there that you know you don't have pain or sorrows or anything like that except for the sins of the world it's like um yeah sign me up <laughs> <laughs> i want that <laughs> Yeah, which um, I, I assume that we have much greater sorrow for the sins of the world. We probably take on a lot of the, the world's sins and stuff. That must be hard. You know, the Savior, uh, having dealt with that in uh, Gethsemane and on the cross and things. Um, but, um, it, you know, fast forwarding to our, our next semester on Isaiah Decoded and, and some of those principles there of um, uh, ascending the ladder to heaven kind of thing, Jacob's ladder. And that imagery that as we become proxy saviors, saviors on Mount Zion, the common phrase that we use, that we we literally start helping others and um, taking them upon our shoulders and and, and in our bosom is uh, is uh, talked about uh, multiple times in the scriptures that we become those proxy saviors for them, even though that we're not atoning for their sins, we are helping them to receive. The, the blessings and, and bringing them in we are the the shepherds uh, as it were that are are doing this and being do you see that as like a great a great awakening and people coming because they see our light or are we going to still have to like <laughs> <laughs> struggle to teach them <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure um well just as we kind of study some of these uh, deeper doctrines and stuff it, it seems like we are um, those that are part of the 144,000 or whatever are, are called the, the hunters uh, instead of the fishers of men, that they are, are going into the rocks and cavities and, and things and, and finding the elect that are just trapped and, and need rescued kind of a thing. Um, it seems like it's not so much about preaching. The preaching's already been done and we're just on rescue missions kind of a thing. I keep using we as if I'm part of that group, but um, the 144,000 <laughs> Is, is a huge part of the, the end times and um, helping rescue those and bring them to Zion, uh, bring them safely in kind of a thing. Uh, yeah. There's, there's, Go ahead. I'm sorry, Darlene. Go ahead. I was just going to say that there's going to come a time when, am I muted? No, you're good. Uh, there's going to come a time when our missionaries are called home, when the time of um, Ephraim is 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 finished Mm -hmm. and um and so the fishers of men are going to be finished it will turn to the hunters uh that are going to go out and and they're going to have to be translated to do that to go into these places they'll 
Yeah. Yeah. Interesting experience last night. So I have a new calling in Relief Society and there's a list of do not contact sisters. And it just like, like hurts my heart. And so I just looked at those names and I just said a prayer for each and I just said their names. And it was just such a good feeling that I know that they're gonna remember. I just want them to remember their baptism. I want them to remember mm-hmm. full names of people that I know, that, you know, I've served with in the past and have since said that they don't wanna, you know, have anything to do with the church, but I know that they're gonna remember. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. We see a, a great sifting in the world and uh, in the church. And, and there's many that are um, uh, kind of falling away for, for different reasons here and there. But yeah, remembering is, is the huge part of it. Uh, remember, remember. Uh, and as we pray for them, as we in turn remember them, then it, the Lord is, is remembering them and, and helping them to bring them to a remembrance of their things. Yeah. I think of our, our sacrament um, prayer. I mean, it's remember. It's like we're supposed to be remembering, you know, our our covenants that we make and, and remember these things. Mm-hmm. It's important. Well, wasn't it President Kimball that said remember is the most important word in the dictionary? Oh, oh I think yeah. it was. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I think so. Yeah. I'm writing that down. Kimball was a little bit before my time, and so <laughs> I missed well, a little bit. <laughs> I, I think it might be somebody else, but you can you can mm-hmm. remember. Kimball. And then, um, so kind of uh, bouncing off of that, and, and talking about the um, the timing, the fear not principle here. Um, I go back and forth in my head as I'm preparing for class, like whether to bring this up or not, but. Um, as we're, we're really talking about approaching God, um, I was listening to the Isaiah or, well, Avraham Gileadi's uh, podcast this, this last week. Um, I can't remember which episode it was, like one or two or something, but he was talking about the purpose of going to the temple and how um, the, the temples will be taken away when the saints do not uh, attend the temples for the right reasons anymore kind of a thing uh, i'm way paraphrasing i can't remember the actual words of it but um and that's isaiah that's saying this yeah isaiah is saying it and avraham is is doing the commentary kind of what yeah. Isaiah is, is saying throughout all the sim, uh, symbolism and stuff and that um uh he's isaiah is saying that if you're not going to the temple to meet god face to face then you're doing it for the wrong reasons yes the proxy work the um going and and redeeming the dead is is an important part of it but if you're not going to meet god then you're not going for the right reasons kind of a thing and so as i was uh reading uh this chapter with those new uh, eyes this week or whatever i was just like holy cow that's what this is saying and so god presents us with um with the opportunity to to ask him questions whatever we want the desires of our hearts and then says fear not what is wanted and and so we can literally ask and we know that the endowment is a a training or a preparation a dress rehearsal for our our future day when we do get the the desires of our hearts and so what what is wanted do we want this or do we want that and and do we find the pattern of 
what we can ask for in the scriptures. And um, do we find the pattern of what we can ask for in the endowment itself? And there, there's so much there that um, it just brings so much peace. And uh, it's kind of like an aha moment to me of, wow, I, the Lord loves each one of us individually and, and he, I can ask. And, and how many times do we not ask because we just don't know what's possible or because we don't um, necessarily have the faith in ourselves that, that we can be recipients of such worthy blessings kind of thing. But um, that's again, what, what led me back to the, the homework assignment of lecture third um, from lectures on faith that in order to have true faith, you have to know that it's possible. That, that God exists and that he loves you even in a fallen state. And so that we can, as we ask, seek and knock, as soon as we're ready to come to him, he's ready to come to us. And so I think that that's the huge part for me out of this book this week, that things are possible. The possibilities are endless, in fact. And um, uh, there's, there's many different choices and avenues for us to, to seek. As long as we are seeking in, in full faith, um, as we are, are coming closer and during to the end, which, which means um, getting our callings and elections sure, uh, second comforter experiences, like all of these things leading up um, unto some of the greatest blessings that are available to us in mortality, that um, the Lord's ready. He's ready and willing. We just have to understand that it's possible and ask and get yeah. it and, and the key and and if you Ask. aren't given it right away like obviously none of us are going to, to get it on our, our first ask kind of a thing but but ask what lack i yet uh what, what's my next step to get there how do i how do i progress how do i how do i wrap my head around this new paradigm of this subject or or this topic in the gospel so that i can get there and and the lord will start flowing that information to you but how many of us just don't even ask and and the lord uh, you know with that that great symbolism that i stand at the door and knock like just open the door like ask me and i will tell you everything i will give you all of my kingdom i will i will show the mysteries of the kingdom to you just ask kind of a thing i think that, that was the the huge thing for me this week uh, a greater commitment to ask for blessings um, and, and fear not ask, ask for the boon and, <laughs> and, um, and ask how you can get there. Um, if you're not uh, quite ready for it, uh, it, he'll show you the way. Cameron, I really think that's why we're put in families. Yeah, that's so true. There's nothing more that a parent wants is their kid to ask them and to have gratitude. Oh my gosh. Thank you. Thank you for dinner. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. That makes me always think more to, to thank Heavenly Father and to thank the Lord for what he's done because of being in that situation as a parent. Mm -hmm. Yeah, very much so. All right. So um, kind of moving forward a little bit um, on the bottom of 146, um, just the, the interesting little tidbit there um, that since Joseph Smith's day, 
there has emerged a text, um, the Apocalypse of Abraham, and it tells that Abraham was not on earth when he received this vision. I find that a very interesting tidbit to, <laughs> to point out that um, not all visions are, are here on earth. Some are um, apocalyptic things where they're taken up to heaven. Apocalypse, as we've talked somewhat about before, apo means to un or undo, and then calypse, the covering. So it's the uncovering, the unveiling of Abraham uh, as he's taken up to the, the presence of God and, and shown this miraculous vision. He's, he's seen many visions before, but, but this one's different. This is the actual bestowal of um, the, the higher blessings of the, the Melchizedek priesthood and, and the, the temple blessings here. And so um, I think it's interesting to note, just a, a side tangent. Um, I've talked about the Don Bradley book, and, The Lost 116 Pages. He talks about the fact that the first vision was also um, uh, Joseph Smith's endowment. And uh, it's a great possibility that uh, he was taken up at that moment as well and brought back down. Um, anyway. Uh, kind of moving it on. Seems, so. It mm -hmm. seems to be the pattern uh, mm -hmm. that they're taking up into the presence of God for when they reach this place here. They, we find that with uh, Enoch, we find it with Moses, with just about any that we have the the records of. Mm -hmm. Well, it wasn't Peter, James, and John at the Mount of Transfiguration where they. Mm -hmm. Taken until they were transfigured, right? Taken to the presence of God. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. There, there's many of these things. And, and the scriptures are all about examples of these people getting it. And all of these uh, prophets started out as, as mere mortals. And, um, and we're, we're shown that we can uh, follow their example. And they're kind of blazing the path and showing us mortals how to do it kind of a thing. But more than just mortals, they all had issues. Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> we got lots of issues going on with all of our, our, our problems and things. Wasn't yeah. Enoch like slow of speech and Moses had an issue? And mm -hmm. didn't they all have issues? Like, serious mm -hmm. issues. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And like all of us, that, that you know, that <laughs> I, I say this all the time, quoting from, from John Pontius, that you know, that we need to start looking at the scriptures as more of a, a mail order catalog and not just some thing that happened uh, to someone long ago kind of thing that far off things like, oh, what, us Latter-day Saints don't get that kind of stuff anymore. Where, I, whoever came up with that <laughs> really took that and ran with it and made a lot of people believe it. But yeah, it, the, these blessings are for us to, to have. If uh, the Book of Mormon study last year uh, didn't open our eyes to that, Man, like Nephi, he's just a, a little kid spiritually and, and everything. And then he asks, seeks, and knocks and, and gets grand visions just like his father. Like this is things, these are things that, that we all can can receive. And we have mm -hmm. to know line upon line how to get there. And first of all, believing that it's possible. Um, I think that that's the, the hardest conundrum to to help people with, even myself back in, in the day, like just oh that stuff doesn't exist you know kind of thing but no we have the blessings restored this is the restoration of all things and and we're 
we're living uh, those things now. We, we're getting the blessings. We're receiving the visitations. Uh, it's all dependent upon um, how fast we want to go, <laughs> how fast we're able. Our, well, our prophet today, President Nelson, is is trying to help us get to those steps. Mm -hmm. And like if you read the footnotes of some of his things, he's talking about translation. We should be working towards that. Yeah, for sure. Something I want to share from Isaiah Institute I read recently. It says, oh, that's what's the most important part. I want to read the whole thing. Okay, uh -huh. so it says, in my experience, those blessings are possible to attain, all the blessings we've been talking about, only upon God's children paying the price, which in spite of personal foibles, acts of ignorance, or generational iniquities, breaks through all barriers and confirms the promise of God's word. To me, gaining and maintaining an open portal to the heavenly presence has nothing to do with trying to make it happen or simply having the desire. It has everything to do with losing oneself in God's service and being directly led by him. It is evident to me that that alone makes it possible, even unavoidable, for God to intervene in his children's lives and fulfill those high expectations he has implanted in their hearts through this glorious prophecy, his glorious prophecies and marvelous revelations. So cool. Okay, so because to me, I'm like, okay, well, desire honestly is is there. And like the belief, like you were saying, like people think, oh, that's not, well, I was raised never really thinking like, oh, I can see God. For when I was little, I did, I knew that. When I read about Brother Jared seeing God, I just knew that I could have, and I was probably only about 11 years old, but like, I like how it says, it's more than a desire. It's um, losing oneself in God's presence, uh, in God's service and being directly led by him. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Where, like, where are you reading that from? You said Isaiah Institute, but like, is it from a specific book or like on the website or where can I find it? I should, I should really know. Um, I think it's called, I think it's from his blog. Okay. Uh -huh. But I can send you the reference. Yeah, that would be awesome. I, I would yeah, love that. Jessica, so can you share it to the group? Yeah, I can. I just screenshotted it and it was so good. I just screenshotted mm. the email. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'll find it. A... Yeah, I love that. I would love to study those, uh, those things uh, even further there. I, I'm just barely new to, to Isaiah and uh, Avraham Gileadi and, and some of those uh, different things. I, it's all new to me, and I'm so excited to be diving into it. Um, yeah. So, Cameron, I have a Tuesday class that's doing that um, Isaiah decoded. Oh, yeah? So David um, Brigham teaches it with Jeff. Do you know those names? I don't. Mm-mm. Let me, are you busy Tuesday at, um, what time would it be? It's nine o'clock here. Seven, would it be seven o'clock at your time? Seven o'clock at my uh -huh. time, yeah. Uh -huh. Are you busy Tuesday at seven? Um, no, I am busy Tuesday at nine o'clock. So two hours after that, but. So let me send you the link and you can jump in and. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, that'd be awesome. That'd be cool. That'd be like, really cool. Where are you guys, or like really briefly, so, <laughs> sorry to detract, but like. Um, are you going like chapter by chapter and where are you guys at kind of a thing? Yes. You know what? Let me just get you. Let me, let me do this. Brigham mm -hmm. has set up like this family group, like introductions were like almost two hours. Let me get his email. Let me do that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Send me the on his toes. And then you can, and maybe, maybe he can join. And he does it through the Institute, through the Isaiah Institute. Okay. Mm. Yeah. So. Yeah, I love that. But um, he just gives like five pages or something. I don't know. Mm -hmm. 
It's a lot. It's amazing. And there's like people that have been studying Isaiah for 30 years. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm just new. I, I'm leading these group discussions because I haven't been able to find anybody else that does it and stuff. And so, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm not, completely not new and feel kind of inadequate. <laughs> not to discourage you, but just to open up a new door, that's all. Yeah, for sure. Fabulous. Um, so yeah, um, we have got kind of short on time, but that reminded me um, that uh, announcement for this class with Abraham um, that we do have E. Douglas Clark, the author, signed up for March 12th, I believe. Uh, let me... Or was it the 21st? Was it oh, the 12th? Yeah. yeah, no, I'm getting my... Yeah, March 21st. Uh, March 21st, it's the time that we're doing chapter 11, I believe. So it's going to push back chapter 11 a week. Um, but he's going to come on for, for questions and answers and anything. If you want to submit some... Um, questions ahead of time. I'm going to be emailing those to him this week. Um, but yeah, so it's going to be this time schedule, uh, Sunday at 6 uh, p.m. Mountain Standard Time, so, so 8 o'clock for, for the East Coast, um, where, yeah, E. Douglas Clark is going to join us for, for an hour. We might stretch it a little bit longer, who knows. Um, but yeah, super grateful for Kayla on uh, getting that all scheduled out for us and everything. He's so excited. Um, Tell me the name of his book again. What was that? What's the name of his book? Oh, this one that we're reading, Abraham, The Blessings oh, of Abraham. Oh, this one. Oh, he's going to come about his book. Oh, awesome. Okay. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Um, the, somebody in our group C, I believe it is, on Tuesdays, um, it's their dad's cousin or something like that. Anyway, so they had an inside connection there. And anyway, we're, we're so excited to have him come on and, and, and talk about it. But um, yeah. So March 21st, that Sunday at, at 6 p.m. during this, uh, the same class time here. Um, and the other classes uh, will join us. So there'll be- Yeah, there'll be a know, lot of people on like, that, that Sunday. Probably 30 or so people on there. <laughs> um, so yeah, where are we at? <laughs> um, on page 147, we dive into this new, um, well, not new, uh, but a very um, interesting ritual that they, they do, the cutting of the covenant here, the cutting of the carcasses. Um, and, and this is found in the Apocalypse of Abraham, but um, I find this very interesting and, and obviously uh, uh, pointing towards the, the endowment uh, ordinance as well. But the story of that ascent begins when the Lord instructs Abraham to prepare himself and everything necessary, or in other words, every needful thing that we're commanded to in, in Doctrine and Covenants, to make a solemn sacrifice of several kinds of animals and birds, a sacrificial creatures of the future Jerusalem temple. Remember the, you know, we don't have uh, the portable tabernacle or, or Solomon's temple yet, um, but Abraham is, is definitely starting to um, foreshadow uh, what is coming down the road for his posterity. As they're starting to make sacrifices. Now we don't do animals and, and birds anymore in our day because uh, the Lord uh, completed that, fulfilled that that measure of the law. We still have the law of sacrifice, but we fulfill it in different ways. So ponder that as we're going through this. What is our modern equivalent here, and and kind of what are we um, uh, talking about? So um, let's see. 
And in that sacrifice, the Lord promised, I will set out for you the secrets of the ages and tell you hidden things, and you shall see great things, which you have not seen, for you have loved me to seek me out, and I have called you my friend or my beloved. I, <laughs> if I didn't already write it on page 145, I would have wrote it here on page 147. This is, this is important stuff here. Um, the sacrifice was to be performed strictly according to the Lord's instructions while Abraham was fasting and um, in the place which I will show you on a high mountain. So they cut all of these animals in two and arranged the halves opposite each other. The birds, however, he did not cut in half. And so it says that when the animals are halved and laid opposite each other, and when the partners of the covenant stride through the lane that has been thus formed, they express thereby a curse upon themselves in the event that the covenant is broken. And saying, basically, may the deity chop the covenant breaker into pieces like these animals. But the surprising fact in the Abraham story, which is also unique in the history of religions, is that God himself enters a communal relationship with Abraham under the forms which among men guarantee the greatest contractual security. I find that so amazing there. Um, you know, obviously we, we don't do all like the blood and, and all of that sacrifice stuff now, but we do have the endowment, which is teaching us how to bring the same level of sacrifices to the Lord's altar and um, teaching us how to get the same blessings into our lives. Um, the same blessings, meaning the, the, the grand visions, the, the preparing to meet God himself face-to-face -face kind of a thing. Um, and, and this is kind of the pattern here. Um, but I find it so interesting because I've never heard this at all. I've never heard of this um, uh, cutting the animals in half, striding through the middle of them, and then um, what happens next that Satan tries to, uh, to thwart this and, um, having these, these swooping birds of prey coming down and trying to attack him. It's very reminiscent of his early years when he was, uh, they were planting seeds and trying to prevent a famine, but the birds were swooping down and eating the seeds and, and things. And he invents the, the farm implement that, that buries the seeds when they're planted. Um, but here we have Satan much like when he did with Moses or Joseph Smith or any of these prophets, Satan is trying to thwart this with everything that he's got. And don't we find that same pattern when we were able to attend the temple? Didn't Satan try to throw everything in our path to keep us from going each and every time? Like, oh man, I don't know how many times that it brought fights, <laughs> bickering, the car breaks down, whatever. Satan is always there anytime we're trying to do something good. And, you know, that's, that's a pretty hard concept to explain to, to new members of the church or to, to family members who aren't, aren't quite there. You know, like, this shouldn't be so hard. Uh, well, that's, that's kind of the gospel. That's, that's what we, anytime we're striving for greatness, Satan's going to be there to try to, to knock us down a peg and, and stop us from making covenants with the Lord kind of thing. I find that a very true principle. I've experienced it many times. <laughs> that takes us back to the beginning of Joseph Smith in the Grove and Abraham, his, right? Yeah, and, uh, exactly. We just got where we kind of sneak out. We don't even say we're going to the temple. We just sneak out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. As long as you don't say it out loud, Satan will never know. <laughs> yep, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and then 
then we come to, to the great vision here. Um, but well, Kevin, okay. yeah. can I just add like, I mean, these were some serious, um, like Satan is trying to actually kill Abraham. Yeah. And he was trying to kill Moses and he was trying to kill Joseph Smith. And, and the Lord, the Lord intercedes and he's the protector. He, I will fight your battles. And he did. Exactly. Yeah, he that's did. the most important point of it. And I almost skipped it. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, on page 148, um, we have this, this part here, uh, uh, no longer strength in me to even stand, um, that the angels of righteousness and of iniquity disputed over Abraham, each band wishing to claim him for his own company. Um, and then at that terrifying moment, here's the, the new section there. Uh, at that terrifying moment, Abraham heard the voice of God directing an angel to go and strengthen him. Abraham even heard God call the angel by name, Yahuwah, of that same name. And, and here we have some, some beautiful light coming into such a dark moment. And, and we find that with Joseph Smith, with Moses, with many of the prophets, um, that, that there's this, this fight over somebody who's going to receive the, the grand blessings. And, and, you know, I think that this is a, a step above just um, Satan trying to thwart us from going to the temple for the first time. This is this is the, the great blessings, the, the time that we, we can ask and receive any blessing that we re, uh, request. And, and Satan literally stops at nothing and fights over us. And that's part of the, the Abrahamic promise as we, um, uh, we find here, that I will fight your battles. You're not gonna have to go through this alone. I will send angels. I will send whatever means necessary to cast out Satan and allow you to come into my presence. Like that's huge. And I never understood that connection before um, that, you know, I, I think of it's kind of a prophet thing, Joseph Smith, Moses, but, but no, this is, this is everybody. Like God will fight our battles when we fulfill our part of the Abrahamic covenant. That's huge. Um, there, there's so many important points of this chapter. Um, but yeah. Anyway, so Enoch, we find out, is the, the angel of the presence, the, the one that has divine investiture, uh, to, to use the name, Yahuwah. And um, he says, depart from this man. Depart, for you can never lead him astray. Enoch then extended his right hand to Abraham, uh, again, indicating that he was a translated being and, and not a, a resurrected being, because we don't, we don't have those yet on earth, or a... Um, uh, an evil spirit pretending to, to be an angel of light. Um, and then takes him up to, to God's presence. As Abraham, this is the top of 149. As Abraham relates in the apocalypse, I got up and looked at him who had taken my right hand and set me on my feet. And his body was like a sapphire and his face was like chrysolite and the hairs of his head like snow. Okay, so any great gospel scholars tell me what that means <laughs> what is all that symbolism there that um is describing enoch's presence i i just barely found it out right before class I, i've had this big huge question mark on it and i it's always been a conundrum but i didn't know what it was 
Um, but if anybody wants to write the reference, it um, comes from Revelation chapter 21. Um, I have 12 through 14, but I think it might include more verses than that. Um, but uh, at first I was thinking, oh, well, he's referring to the gemstones on the ephod or the, the priestly uh, uh, breastplate. But more than that, I think it comes from the book of Revelation, where it talks about the cardinal directions. And so as we have, his body was like a sapphire. John gives us the key to that, that the sapphire is in the east. And east meaning the presence of God. God is always in the east. And uh, a lot of times we are in the west. And then um, the chrysolite is in the west. So his body is in God's presence and he is facing us in the west. Uh, those that are outside of, of God's presence waiting to be brought in. Uh, the hair of his head like snow um, that is also in the east. And um, then he has uh, a linen band around his head. It's like a rainbow. He's having all the colors there. The robes he was wearing were purple. The purple um, is in the west. Um, it's the, the amethyst quartz that's on the, the breastplate as well. Um, anyway, lots of interesting symbolism there when we're looking and comparing it to, to Revelation. I find that many prophets, the more I study Daniel, Ezekiel, Ezra, all of these prophets, none of them seem to interpret their own revelations. They always have a companion prophet somewhere that is giving the answer key kind of a thing. And so looking to, to other prophets for uh, the connecting elements here. And this is my own personal opinion. I believe that this part of Abraham is connecting with the book of Revelation on that. My own personal opinion. Take it for what it's worth. You might come up with something else and I would love for you to share that. Um, let's see, where do we go from here? So we have, um, down that page, he talks about that he had glimpsed God's abode from afar, and um, that he was now being taken there, following the patterns of righteousness of the forefathers, Enoch, Seth, and Adam, um, clad in garments of glory, um, and seeing that, that same scene um, that Alma speaks of, and um, anyway, there, there's so many different parallels and things here. But we have all of the same temple gifts that are given to, to Abraham at this time um, that, that we find in our, our modern in, endowment as well. And then we, we come to the fact that he is actually instructed by the Lord face to face um, there on, on page 150. Um, uh, Abraham raised his hand and the Lord filled it to overflowing. That's what the Lord does. He doesn't just bless us a little, a few droplets here as we, we can do it. Once we come into his presence, once we um, commune with him, really, that's when he just floods us like a, a fire hose kind of a thing. Uh, apparently, Abraham was then handed a crystalline object, uh, allowing him to read the secrets of the universe and the creation and handed a heavenly book. Uh, we read more about that heavenly book on the very last page. Um, but in, just right here, uh, 
uh, at the very bottom of the page that he looked, probed and thought, he searched, discerned and delved. In our modern vernacular, we, we ask, seek and knock. Um, you have to think on these things and ponder them. Um, even though we might be given them, we might be given the whole heavenly book here, uh, like our scriptures, how many of us know them inside and out and really know them? Um, they, they contain the mysteries of the universe, and, and yet we sometimes don't get the, the depths of them kind of thing. And so uh, as we prepare to, to receive more light and knowledge um, that comes by scripture study, as it talks about here in, in, in lots of places, that there's the pattern of reading scriptures and then having revelatory experiences. Um, once you've proven that you want more knowledge, he'll give you more knowledge, um, stuff that you haven't seen before in the scriptures or even uh, more personal revelation as well. I, I find it very interesting on the top of page um, 151 that he has an interaction with all three of the Godhead that, that Christ um, introduces him to the Holy Ghost, to Heavenly Father. And um, I mean, I just want to be a fly on the wall for that one. Like for <laughs> Abraham to, to meet them all at, at their throne, like this is huge. That's such a cool thing. I, uh, my heart just fills with, with yearning for, for that. Um, let's see. Um, Abraham ended up with such knowledge of the Godhead that he wrote about each of them and their individual functions and relationship. So intriguing. And that's found from Joseph Smith's writings. I had never heard that before this book. I need to study Joseph Smith's writings deeper. Um, but yeah, just amazing, amazing things that, that are shown to uh, Abraham here. And then he is given the, the vision of the future. And, and again, kind of asked, what do you want? So here's all the blessings. Um, this is what you said you wanted. Now, is that what your wish really is? What, what do you choose? Yeah, everything's laid out before you. And um, we know from, from the experience, Abraham chooses to, to come back to earth and have a huge posterity, uh, descendancy. And um, he eventually, um, as it talks about in... Um, Let's see, on, on page 156, Abraham does choose to, to come back in the last days to help his posterity um, prior to the second coming. There's, there's lots that um, he will join again with the city of Enoch and not up in its abode right now, but when it comes back down to earth, Abraham will be there and, and will be doing the, the work of Abraham. I, I find that a very interesting thing that I didn't know before that Abraham is, is going to, to return to earth and, and carrying on his ministry. That's going to be so fun um, to, to see him in action, see this friend of God, someone who has the complete chesed, that, that loving kindness to, to know who he is and, um, and, and see his interaction uh, with, with Sarah. I, I just, I long for that. I want that blessing so bad. I, I want to to see them at work in Zion and, and see um, them firsthand. I think that would be so cool. Cameron, in my reading this week, I can't remember where it was, 
Oh, I think it was on educate. It was on education week. I've been going over education week uh, talks and um, it said this word has said, you know, means great love and everything, but it's, it's also associated with uh, covenants. It's not, it's a covenant, a covenantal word. Oh, uh-huh. This so is, it's not just like some word that's thrown out in Hebrew a lot, but it's always associated with a covenant. That's what you're saying. Mm -hmm. That's what they were saying on that. Hmm. Very interesting. I hadn't picked up on that before. And then with, <laughs> we're kind of going overtime and stuff, but this final part, it just kind of drops a bombshell right on the, on the last paragraph, two paragraphs here on 157 that oh and the wise men that's how they found christ by the way <laughs> that they have the book that abraham brought down from heaven and um and yeah so they they find him that way i was like what how well that threw me for such a loop the first time i i read that so going through all the footnotes and finding that and everything um the safari Yatzira is, is a, a great book. I have not even finished it yet. It, is, it contains so many um, crazy paradigm shifts that it, it's hard to wrap your head around kind of thing. It's like, okay, yeah, I'm not ready for a grand visioner to be taken up. Yes, I, I can't understand hardly any of this and, and what's going on. But um, very interesting that the wise men are, are very much um, after the creed of Abraham. They're, they're friends of him, and that's how they find the Savior. Uh, very interesting parallels there. Um, last year, it was uh, posed to me how the, the three wise men were uh, Nephites or Lamanites, like Samuel the Lamanite was one of the wise men kind of thing. And I was like, what? That, that totally shifted my paradigm. And then reading this shifted my paradigm again. And anyway, there's a lot to study there on many different routes but i think that there's a lot more to the wise men than than we really know and i think we'll have those full stories and how they come about having this this um book yeah <laughs> yeah know? how did they get how that? Did that get passed down to them mm -hmm. uh, that would be really fun to know yeah for sure um so yeah just um well let me dive into the, the homework for next week, and then we'll, we'll pop back for, for final thoughts. So for chapter eight, um, the first thing is to make a list of all of the prophets who have pled for the people of the earth um, of any age, whether of their own dispensation or future dispensations, but make a list of all of the prophets that have pled for the people, uh, i.e., Enos. Enos is a, a great one that, that pled for um, other people. And then the second part is to ponder Ishmael, not Isaac, but Ishmael's role or Ishmael's posterity's role in the latter days. Uh, ponder upon that thought and, and what Ishmael has to do with the grand scheme of things. Um, and then I have a, a third one here, but um, review Jacob's Ladder or uh, like uh, Isaiah Institute, it, it talks about the different, um, the, the ladder to heaven, ascending the ladder um, to, to review that. That one's just kind of a, a tangent thing, but um, 
anyway, I think that those uh, assignments uh, will greatly enhance your study of, of chapter eight. Again, chapter seven and eight are my absolute favorites. I, I love them so much. There's so much in there. Um, but anyway, last thoughts on chapter seven. What did we miss? What other insights and things, testimony builders, did you gain from, from reading this week? Um, Cameron, you had assigned us to listen to or read um, King Follett's sermon. Yeah. We didn't even get a chance to uh, tackle that thing. Yeah. But I was listening to another Education Week uh, class, and they they mentioned they they were talking about um, the vision that Joseph Smith and Sidney Rigdon had in Section seventy six uh, about the different kingdoms and stuff, and later, and it was about. A decade later that Joseph Smith said that um, he could he could only write one hundredth of that vision because there was so much more but the people weren't ready for it so he was told not to give that but in the King Follett sermon uh, this professor was saying that he gave some of the uh, extended that a little that's what a lot of the King Follett sermon is, is he's, he thinks the people are a little more ready now he's prepared them. And, uh, and it happens that he gave that King Follett sermon um, in April, uh, just before he uh, was martyred in June. And he was, and he was given a few more of those things. So if you read that King Follett sermon, there's some really good stuff in there that it adds upon this i mean it's it's quite amazing really yeah i found that. the the king fallout sermon for the first time i'd never heard about it and um a mission companion told me about it or whatever and it just absolutely rocked my world as a missionary i it's like what how have i never even heard of this and look at the doctrines that are that are taught here like uh -huh. Holy cow. And I went to my mission president and I'm like, seriously, explain to me this. Why are we taught this in Sunday school? Like, what what the heck? Anyway, and, and we had lots of good discussions after that. But but seriously, it's one of those um one of those gems, uh, lectures on faith, King Follett sermon, some of those things that uh the Lord has kind of um made them little precious nuggets that are there to be found if you are ready for them, kind of a thing. And so yeah, I, such an amazing a um, couple set of, of things there to, to study and read. All right. Anything else before we wrap up for the night? Sorry for keep, keeping you late. Sorry, I'm always going over time. All right. If not, we'll, we'll go ahead and say our goodbyes. <laughs> All right. Awesome. See you next week. Thank you guys. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Have a great week. <laughs>